0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 through 16, called Our Superior and Sympathetic High Priest.
1: For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, as we... uh, Think about the living and active, powerful word of God. And we think about the high priestly ministry of Jesus, our great advocate in heaven. Lord, we have the word and we have the word. <laughs> we have the living word of God, the written word of God. We have the word of God in heaven. We have uh, these two advocates, both empowering, both on our side, but both with also eyes that see to the deepest recesses of our soul. You know when I rise up, you know when I sit down, you know my thought before I think it. I can't go anywhere that you're not there. I can't hide anything from you. And yet at the same time, I, I find great confidence and great cheer in the fact that you know my struggles, in the fact that you know my heart Even when I want to do the right thing and fail to do it, you know my intention in the inner man. All of us are needy people, Lord. We are. We could say we're constantly in time of need. And you give us help. You are help for the needy. You've been a help to every generation. And tonight, as we muse on these beautiful verses, powerful verses, I pray that we'd find renewed hope, renewed strength, renewed insight into who you are and who we are in Christ. In his name we pray, all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Our superior and sympathetic high priest, the uh, writer of Hebrews, has been focusing on Jesus' superiority to angels, uh, Jesus' superiority to Moses, Jesus' superiority to Joshua. And you could say that he has now moved to Aaron, although Aaron was the first high priest of Israel, there would be many high priests that would follow. The high priest is best known for his work on the day of atonement. In Leviticus 16, when he goes in and offers the sacrifice for the nation and so forth, that was a critical uh, holiday for the people of God, for Israel. And Jesus Christ becomes the fulfillment of that high priestly ministry, which will be the focus of the writer of Hebrews from this point in the book of Hebrews all the way into chapter 7, and I'll get additional mention in chapter 10. A high priest was really an advocate, one who stood between God and the people. You could say that Moses had that role up on Sinai as he would deliver God's word to the people and the people's word back to God. And then his brother Aaron would take that role, and then subsequent generations would have that high priesthood. That will be much of the focus of uh, today's uh, context and then moving forward from there. That's the idea of his superiority in the title. What you're also going to see in this small section is his sympathy for us. He is a superior high priest. He is the God man. And yet, simultaneously, he is sympathetic with us. How is it, how is it that he's sympathetic with us? Well, because he understands what it is to be human. In fact, I've mentioned to you on several occasions, probably pretty recently, that today, scholars would argue that Jesus remains human because he resurrected in a human body, that same body in which he died. He ascended into heaven, and this same Jesus, Acts chapter 1, that ascended into heaven will return in like fashion. Uh, he invited the apostles to touch his wounds To not be without faith, but to believe. Thomas, we can think of, especially in uh, John 20. Touch my side, feel my wounds. It's me. A spirit does not have flesh and bone, as you see that I have. And so we see these two aspects of Jesus' ministry. There's much more, or you could say, of his person. But he is superior to everything. He is the name above every name. And yet he is sympathetic. He condescended to come and save us. And you could say he condescends constantly to minister to us in time of need. And that's what this is all about. The word for in verse 12, if you're tracking with me here in your Bible, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. The word for is a connecting word and it takes us back to the idea of rest. I thought uh, Pastor Alex did a great job last week inviting us to explore the rest of God. Notice uh, in verse 11, well, let's go back to verse nine. So he says there. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered into his rest or God's rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, the exhortation now to the church, let us be diligent to enter that rest that God provides so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And the example of disobedience that's been coming out over and over, and it's not the first time we see this in our Bibles, is the example of the wilderness wanderings of Israel. Namely, that first generation that left Egypt, uh, arrived at Mount Sinai, was given the covenant and the promises, and then went on from there. And we know that a trip that should have taken a few weeks ended up being a wandering journey for 40 years. We've captured the reason why. The one reason that the Bible gives for their wandering and their failure to enter into the promised land is unbelief. They simply just wouldn't believe God, though they had all kinds of evidence in front of them. So the writer is going to get into the word of God. Look at verse 12, 4, that connecting idea now, uh, taking us back to the rest of God. For the word of God, and that's a familiar phrase to I think all of us, is living and active. It's alive. The word of God is alive. And this word will take us to the word. Jesus is called the word in John chapter one. And this word is, would be the scripture. This would be the word of God as we have it now in Old and New Testament. And what we learn about the word of God is two things right off the bat. It is alive. It's living. And you say, well, that should be obvious to us, right? What does that mean? Well, the Greek word means that it is full of life and vigor. It is contrasted to that which is dead. In the Bible, that which is dead is idols or vain things, lifeless idols. Uh, there was a story about a young man. He was in a dorm room at college with a, a fellow a college student. One was a Muslim, one was a Christian. So they were dialoguing about their holy books, and they agreed that the Christian would read the Koran And the Muslim would read the Bible. And I think they agreed to about a week that they would do this. And after the week was over, they came back together and the Muslim said to the Christian, that was an unfair exercise. And the Christian responded, why do you say that? He said, because your book is alive. And I think anybody who's ever experienced the power of the word of God knows what we're getting at here. The word of God is alive and it is uh, full of activity. The word active here is ener- energes in Greek, where we get our word energy. It's filled with divine energy. Why is that? Because the word of God is literally breathed out by God, Second Timothy 3.16, and profitable, right? It comes from God. It's alive with God's life. But there is a key here that we have to understand as it relates to the Word of God, and it's found way back in the previous section in verse 2. Read it with me. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, that is, the wilderness uh, generation. But the word that they heard did not profit them. Why? Because it was not united by faith in those who heard. The word of God goes out with life and active vigor or energy. You could imagine maybe uh, as it moves around a room, as a preacher preaches, or as a radio broadcast goes out, or something like that. Or maybe you could go way back to the first century when Jesus was preaching and he compared the word to a sower who sows seed. And the, the profit of the seed depends on what? The ground. The ground Jesus compared to the heart. He doesn't say that the seed needs improvement or you need to pray over the power of the seed. The seed will produce if it lands in good ground. Here's the analogy. If the word lands on a heart soft and receptive, a heart with its ears open, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that tells us not everybody had ears to hear. So a message can go out to a group like this, a group of five, a group of 50, a group of 100, a group of 500, and it can fall on different soil. The word of God is already defined as living and active. Amen? That's not the issue. The issue is, will it be received united by faith? That is what Jesus was getting to in the parable of the sower or the soils. That's exactly what he was saying. He was saying that the, 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 the ground that produces the crop, 30, 60, or 100-fold, is a ground that's receptive. The other grounds were hard, or they got choked off, or etc. It's interesting to think about the, the power of the Word of God and to go back to, to the very first verse of Hebrews, because the writer starts off the book in this way. He says, God, after 1-1 of Hebrews, he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, In many portions and in many ways God did speak. In these last days how has he spoken? He spoken to us Hebrews 1 2 in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least
1: $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. You will have quick access to our daily episodes, you can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons, and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, A Look at Intimacy in Marriage, the Song of Solomon.
0: That's how I showed my anger. Mm-hmm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. You know? <laughs> and,
1: there was infidelity just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of of why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, the the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. It's one thing to listen to the podcast, and it's another to watch the video of those four interact. All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Please visit walkintruth.com and click donate today. That's walkintruth.com, click donate. walkintruth.com, click donate.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. 50, a group of 100,
1: a group of 500, and it can fall on different soil. The Word of God is already defined as living and active. Amen? That's not the issue. The issue is, will it be received united my faith. That is what Jesus was getting to in the parable of the sower, or the soils. That's exactly what he was saying. He was saying that the, 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 the ground that produces the crop, 30, 60, or 100 fold, is a ground that's receptive. The other grounds were hard, or they got choked off, or etc. It's interesting to think about the, the power of the Word of God, and to go back to, to the very first verse of Hebrews, because the writer starts off the book in this way. He says, God, after 1-1 of Hebrews, he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways God did speak. In these last days, how has he spoken? He's spoken to us, Hebrews 1-2, in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. I want you to see the power of the word. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Psalm 33, 6 says, God made the heavens and the earth by his word. And here it says that Jesus upholds all things by the word. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, if you're with us in the very first study of Hebrews chapter one, we called the study God has spoken. If you took notes in chapter one, I've written these in my Bible there are 10 Old Testament quotations in Hebrews chapter one alone. Let me rattle them off. Psalm 2, seven, Second Samuel seven fourteen, Psalm 97, 7. Psalm 104, 4. Moving down the page to verse eight. Psalm 45, 6. Psalm 45, 7 and verse nine. Psalm 102, verse 25 and verse 10. Psalm 102, verse 26 and verse 11. Psalm 102, 26 and 27 in verses, uh, I think it's, In 11 and 12. Psalm 110 is quoted in verse 13 of Hebrews 1. What's your point, Pastor Michael? Simply this, 10 Old Testament scripture quotations in chapter 1 alone. The writer believes in the power of the word. Amen. And it interests me that of the 10 quotations I just gave you in Hebrews 1, nine of them are Psalms. And you know what I often say to people? If you want medicine for your soul, read the book of Psalms. And sometimes if you're looking simply for a devotional method, uh, what is today? March 1st, right? So you could read Psalm 1 if you're ever at a loss. What do I read? You know, maybe you're one of these people that has done this. (laughs) You know, may it open to an applicable page for my life, Lord. And I've had times like that happen where, I did that, and a scripture leaped off the page. And I mean, God is gracious in that way. But I would just say this. Psalm 1 would be a good place to be on March the 1st because it's medicine for the soul. And the psalmist is real, and he's authentic, and sometimes it's a psalm of a lament, and sometimes it's a psalm of praise. But here's my point. The word of God will do its work in your life if you simply are uniting it with faith, back to chapter four, amen? That's the one thing that is on our side. If you you were to say, the handle of the door is on my side, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me, Revelation 3.20. Written to a church, by the way, although I think it's a great evangelistic verse, it was written to a church. Well, when the word of God comes to your life, here's the question. Do you open the door? Do you unite it with faith? We say, well, well, Pastor Michael, what would that look like if I do receive the word of God with faith? What would that look like? Well, faith means trust, but faith is also active. Later, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse six, will say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hear those words? That's an active faith. So when I hear the word of God, I want to be receptive to it because it's living and powerful. And I also want to run with it. Two R's, you might want to write them down. Being receptive to the word, that is receiving it with trust as the authentic word of God, and then running with it. What does it say? Shane said in his prayer, I could scribble down notes. I I do in my Bible all day long. I, I have things highlighted left and right, up and down. But I could highlight things all day long, but if I don't do them, they're kind of meaningless, at least for me, because I haven't bothered to do what the word says. Don't be merely a hearer of the word, James says, who deludes themselves, but be what? A doer of the word, right? We all know the verse. So the word of God is living and active. It's alive. It's filled with God's energy. It's breathed out by God. Look at verse middle of 12. And it's sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I know that this room is filled with Christians who've been around the Bible for a long time. And I know that that's not the first time you've ever heard that. The word of God, it's my sword, man. Watch out. He's sharp. Look out. Now, I hope that that's how you see your Bible, the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, 17, which is the word of God. I got my sword, man. Put it into my sheath. Whew. All right? Now, I used to be able to carry around the little Gideon's Bible. You know, it was about that big. That's before I had to wear reading glasses. Now, that thing means nothing to me. I, I, can't, I can't see it. <laughs> the little pocket Bibles, right? Why do you think the writer of Hebrews said that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword? Can I suggest something? This is my take on it. What was the threat to the church in that day? It was the threat of the sword. Whose sword? Well, we know Rome ended up persecuting Christians, but we also know that the religious leadership of Israel was not uh, friendly to, to Christians. Some of them became converted and all of that. But here's my point. Have you ever wondered why? I'm, writing, I'm reading from my notes. The, the writer compares God's word to a sword and says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. He mentions the sword in Hebrews 11:34 and 37 in the Great Hall of Faith. Peek with me over there just for a second. We'll, we'll get to this in a future study, but if you look at Hebrews 11: 34 and 37, the writer's trying to encourage the current uh, group of Christians who are facing some forms of persecution, and he says in 11:34. These faithful ones of old quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, 1134. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Skip down to 37. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated."
0: You've been listening to Our Superior and Sympathetic High Priest, part one on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, we'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from today's teaching or maybe from a previous teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Hey, maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you personally. You can always email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, and thanks for reaching out. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Maybe you would say, you know, I read the Bible when
1: I first heard about Jesus. And maybe you're like uh, one of those people that started reading and you couldn't put it down, which is awesome, right? You knew the book was alive. You knew it was God's word. You're reading through the gospels for the first time new things leaping off the page left and right, and somewhere along the line, you just put the book down. You may you may say, I don't even know why I did. I just got busy or distracted. And now I feel like I've lost my desire to read the Bible. <laughs> what do you do? Well, you know, there's been times in my life when I've lost the desire to exercise or to eat right, <laughs> but I know I need to. And, and usually when I I'll use the exercise analogy. I exercise. I overcome my not wanting to's, if you know what I'm saying. And I felt great afterwards. Uh, endorphins kicked in. I felt good because I got some exercise or instead of eating a huge burrito diet analogy, <laughs> I ate uh, a salad or something that had some green stuff in it, like vegetables. And I felt so much better than after I eat a burrito bomb can I get a witness? (laughs) My point is this, in getting back to your Bible, just do it, open it up and you'll be blessed because it's living and powerful and active, everything we know about it, right? So just do it, man. If you are a disciplined person at all in any other area of life, you can do that with your Bible too. Open it up, read a psalm, Read one chapter to take you typically five minutes to read a chapter of the Bible and you'll be blessed.
0: See you tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast and with the behind the scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael. You'll have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, A Look at Intimacy in Marriage Through the Song of Solomon. All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate and join us tomorrow for part two of pastor michael's teaching in hebrews chapter four verses 12 through 16 called our superior and sympathetic high priest i'm mike Massaro. thanks for listening to walk in truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with god's truth to all people